All right, welcome back to the Contacts to Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell with my co-host, Senior John Jones, and we are excited to spend a little bit of time with you here um, today. Thanks for tuning in. And before we get started, don't forget to like or subscribe or get an opportunity to share so that uh, everybody else can hear all of the great wisdom that John Jones brings. And be love. So... uh, so listen, the last time we were together, we started having, uh, we kind of segued into a, a conversation about business planning. And uh, I think it's it's worth circling it back around and having a little bit of a further discussion. Um, and so, you know, we talked about how business plans right now are a little bit like shifting sands. Instead of having a, a broad approach where you're looking at it from a year or a half a year, maybe a quarter basis to take in a look at it. 30 you know, days at just, a time. Just 30 days at a time, right? And... Um, we talked about why numbers are important. And I, I've been a firm believer that numbers tell a story. I'm going to give a pretty funny analogy about that here in just a second. Um, but numbers tell a story. Sabermetrics, baseball-related maybe? Oh, man, I, I love Dude, I, when was the I mean, last we, time you watched Moneyball? Oh, man, great movie. Yeah, Love Moneyball. Yeah, Mortgages I mean, could be like Moneyball, do you remember, the numbers. Do you remember when Jonah Hill fired Carlos Pena? I do. Yeah. And then he came to the Rays, and that guy blew it up. Lit it up. Blew it up. Didn't he lead or pretty close to led the league in home runs one I year? I think he did. Yeah. yeah. Five years, first base. Yeah, after getting fired by Jonah Hill. I mean, not everybody has a story like that. Yeah. But uh, going back to the numbers, uh, numbers tell a story. I think it's also important because numbers help us review where we're at so that we can kind of see where we've gone and, and what we can do forward. But I was going to share, like, what do I mean when I say numbers tell a story? So, like, it doesn't matter what the number is. How much you pay for your mortgage tells a story. What you pay in rent tells a story. What your car payment is tells a story. What your credit score is tells a story. Tells a story. Right. So here's, I'm going to put this in terms that maybe some people can understand. My weight tells a story. Okay. What story is that? So when you step on the scale, (laughs) the story is, other than I'm overweight, is the why. Right. So, so once you have the data, once you have the numbers, you're trying to uncover what story that it's trying to tell you. Okay. Now, you and I have known each other for a while, so that you you know, I'm pretty disciplined when it comes to like working out. Is that you fair? are? Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, and not pe- many people get up the, at four thirty in the morning. You know, those who are watching this podcast right now, they're like, yeah, right. But he does. I do. I get up. He's up. I get the workout in. So. If I'm overweight and I work out as much or as hard as I do, what story are the numbers telling you? There's got to be something else that's going on there, Brian. What do you think that is? It could be a uh, fast food restaurant, maybe. And I love McDonald's. You got to love some McDonald's. You got to love some McDonald's. If you get the McDouble instead of the double cheeseburger, it only has one slice of cheese and you save like 60 calories. Ooh. That's a pro tip. Knock the bun off. That's a pro tip. So going back to numbers tell a story, um, what numbers are you tracking in your business? And I think um, it, whether you're in mortgages or in your real estate um, or whatever you do, you know, tracking your numbers is important because for everything that we measure, there are behaviors and disciplines that drive those metrics. Let's say as an example, I'll just use in our business pre-approvals. I, I measure, you measure pre-approvals on a pretty regular basis. The number one reason is it's the most early determination we have of future success. 
Yep. Right. Whatever your current, however long it takes a borrower right now to get a home under contract once you pre-approve them, and then however long the underwriting and process takes, that tells you once you know what that number is, how many days before, right? Um, you're going to start closing some deals. So, with pre-approvals, one of the things that I know about our business specifically here is we know how many pre-approvals an originator needs to do for one closing. Yes. All right. I'm just going to throw out a number. Let's say it's one in five. Don't hold me to that. Yours might be one in four. It might be one in three. It might be one in 20. Um, but you know, you should be able to get a general idea of how many pre-approvals do I need to do to close one deal, right? Because we all know that sometimes um, people don't have the qualifying credit score. Maybe we can't qualify them for whatever reason. Shoot, you may not even lose the deal to a competitor, right? But for whatever reason, you need X amount of pre-approvals to close one deal. So if I know that what that goal number is and I'm tracking it on a weekly basis, I'm gonna start to identify a trend over time. Am I hitting those numbers or am I not? Now, if you're not hitting that pre-approval goal that you need, the numbers tell a story. What possibly could the story be? Right, and it comes down to what activities are you or are you not, not doing? doing? Right. Yep. Yep. Um, and so that's the simplest way I can I can say that for everything that we measure, there are behaviors and disciplines that drive those metrics or activities. Um, so what are some other things like in our business, sales in general, sales, real estate, mortgage, that you would track um, in your business? Do you think it's important to track? I mean, I think it's important to have a, a daily plan and, and every day in your business, you have to do the most important thing is that's your money-making activities. Yeah. Um, you know, before you do the things that aren't making you money, you need to make sure you have two or three things mm-hmm. that are going to drive business or potential business back to you, whatever yep. it is, whether it's real estate related, whether you're cold calling somebody for a listing yep. um, on the mortgage side, whether that's get in front of, getting in front of a referral partner to have a conversation, a one-on-one to drive future revenue into you. Rather than working on your business, in your business, you need to be doing your money-making activities. Yeah. And so some people call those must-dos. Yep. Um, you called them revenue generating activities. Um, and I think that that's, you know, like as an example, in our business, taking a pre-approval is not a revenue generating activity. It's the result of a revenue generating activity, right? Submitting a loan to processing, not a revenue generating activity. Locking a loan, not a revenue generating activity. Those are all the byproduct of the revenue generating activities. Correct. And so when you look at your calendar on a daily basis, I've always said, again, doesn't matter what business you're in, if every day you have something that's a revenue generating activity, the chips typically fall into place. But the mistake a lot of people make is they mistake all of those things we just said, locking a loan, submitted to processing, pulling it. Those are not revenue generating activities. But at the end of the day, you work an eight, 10 hour day. And you're like, oh my gosh, I was so right. incredibly busy. I actually killed it today. And if you went back and you took an inventory of what you actually did, if there wasn't anything on there that was revenue generating. 60 days from now, you'll feel it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's that's what causes the roller coaster that yes. most salespeople face. You know, you go out yeah, there and you kill it. Point. You know, you go, you go hard for 30 days and you bring in the business and then you run, the business runs you and you don't go chasing new business. Yeah. And so you have that up and down roller coaster that so many of our salespeople, whether it's mortgage, real estate, or any sales, 
um, that you do. You've got to you've got to be out in front of customers every day. And one of the things is uh, my dad used to tell me, hey, kid, the store is open every day. Go sell something. <laughs> I mean, so you've got to get out there and do your must do's, yeah. um, you know, and knock them out of the way before you dig into what you have to do. Yeah. You know, to get that money across the finish line. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the important part about it, you know, I, I was at a conference a couple of years ago and one of my big takeaways is that there was a there was a loan originator on stage. It was a panel of actually the panel was million dollar W-2 originators. That was the title of the panel. So these were all loan officers on the stage that had made a million dollars the previous year in W-2 income. Okay. And the one guy said, we track everything that we do. You're a pro if you do, and you're an amateur if you don't. And that like hit me square in the chest. And it makes you were, you were joking about the saber metrics in baseball, but there's not a sport that I know of that tracks more data uh, than that one. And it, I mean, look, I mean, you just look at some of the success stories that's come from that. Yep. Right. And, and what, by tracking that data, how the coaches have been able to use it to help their athletes improve their game, you know? Yeah. I mean, Um, yeah. I I mean, I, I think in our business, it's important to know the net result of that activity. I mean, if you're going to go and, and, and spend five hours on a Sunday, if you're a real estate agent, what's the result of that? I mean, that's, you know, does, how does that bring business to you? And you yep. need to track that and have a system, you know, that, a follow-up system so you can track the result of that to know whether that's a benefit to you and, and it's a revenue-making, you know, generating activity. Yeah. You know, John, I absolutely love that you, what you just said and what you, you were talking about. You've got to also track the activities. So a lot of times we track the results, right? The pre-approval was the result of an activity. Um, But by tracking the activities is going to help you determine what kind of ROI that you're getting on certain things. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, you don't always have to look at ROI from a financial standpoint. Sometimes the ROI is your time. Yes, absolutely. If I have to put 12 hours into a result, but I could put two hours into the same result, which one do you want to do? Two hours. Right, you want to do the two hours, right? And because, by the way, I could double down on the things that only take two hours and now double my business by doubling down on the things that that are actually driving my business. Correct. You know, back in the day, um, I used to do a lot of networking. And uh, Monday through Friday, I went to three networking groups every week. One was breakfast and, uh, I'm sorry, two were breakfast, one was lunch. And I always maintained three networking groups and I tracked how much business I closed from each one of those networking groups. And every year when my renewals came up for those networking groups, I would look at which two two gave me the biggest return on my investment and the one that was the least I cut and I went and found another networking group, right? But that helped me identify, hey, am I spending my time in the places that are gonna get me the best result? Absolutely, I mean, in most businesses, First thing you do, your phone rings. How'd you hear about us? They want to know. That business wants to know how you got their information. Mm-hmm. Did they find it on social media? Was it in media print? Was it a referral from a, a friend, a neighbor? Um, are you a past customer? They, they track all those numbers so they know where to put their, their, their revenue yeah. with it when it comes to advertising. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and I think that's part of, too, why you want to right now, you know, what we're trying to get across is, taking that narrow focus 30 days at a time 
if you're tracking the activities that you're doing, you're going to be able to adjust your plan accordingly to make sure that you're doing things that are actually giving you a return on your investment, right? And the ones that are double down on, the ones that aren't, get rid of. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and determine where you're going to spend um, you know, your, your most time. You know, I, I think that there's some other things in our business that we track. Obviously, we track, you know, we track pre-approvals. A lot of people track leads and lead conversion. I would, in fact, I would, I would guess that most businesses that are in sales, you know, track that. I mean, shoot, when I was in retail, we had a counter that was at the front door. So, like, you know, there's a little laser beam. Every time somebody walked in, corporate knew we had a customer in the retail store. And so they would say, you know, hey, on Sunday... 50 people walked in and you only made two sales. Uh, that, that, that's an excellent point. I want to you know, segue into something when it comes to what we do in our industry and in real estate. You had 50 customers come in and you only had two sales. And the follow-up, what you need to do to you know, increase that is, you and I talk about it all the time, but is, is the follow-up between the initial contact and the end deal closing. Yeah. And in most cases in our industry, we all know that it's a minimum of 60, maybe 90 to 120 days from start to finish from when we initially get our lead. Mm-hmm. And then the home shopping process starts. And we might not hear from that customer for six, eight, 10 weeks. We've already, we have them pre-approved, but we don't know what's happening if we're not staying in contact. Yeah, no. So, you know, we emphasize this as... Um, we potentially lose that deal. We talk conversion and you, you talk one out of five for a closing. You know, our, our goal is to, to, to increase that. We want one out of three, right? Mm-hmm. At bats, we want okay. to close one out of two, right? And by following up, staying in contact, constant contact on a weekly basis, check-ins, yeah. um, you know, that customer is, you've already got a paycheck. You don't want to lose them, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if, if you wait 10 weeks, they can go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's important that, you know, you, you, once you get the lead, like you said, you have your 50 people walk in, you've got to, you've got to sell them all. Yeah. As many and, as you can. Well, and I think, you know, to your point too, you know, what you're talking about is, do you have a system in place for conversion? Like if you didn't make the sale that specific day, which in our business, it doesn't happen that way most of the time, right? No. Uh, but, you know, buyer calls us to get pre-approved. And the ones that are a yes, we issue a pre-approval letter on, they have to start shopping for a home. And depending on the market, depends on how long that takes. And it's easy as weeks go by that you could lose track of the people that you've already talked to. Um, And by the way, going back to talking about business plans, do you have a plan for that follow-up? Do you have a system for that follow-up? And those that do are have all, the lower conversion rates, are correct. the higher conversion rates, I'm sorry. And those that don't. Those are the one out of three, ones. one out of four. Correct. And the ones out of 10, the one out of 20s are the ones that don't no have bueno. a plan right. you know, for follow-up. Right. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, by the way, I want to just um, remind you too that we do have a system in place for tracking activities. Um, something that we, we have an activity tracker we made a couple of years ago. If you're listening to this podcast or you're watching us on YouTube or somewhere and you would like to get your hands on that, if you'll reach out to us, I'll make sure that we get something over to you. But we do have a system in place that will help you track the activities that you're doing so that you can look backwards in the rearview mirror, so to speak, and see what's working for you and, and what's sure. not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things... Um, too, John, that I think is worth talking about as we kind of move on from the numbers tell a story and, and talking about having a plan is, 
you know, it, it's also a great time to consider growth, you know, in, in the market that we're currently in. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of people right now, they're having the best years of their careers, at least in mortgage and real estate sales. Um, and most people are probably understaffed for the amount of business that they're doing. Um, or they don't have an, enough. 100%. Le- or they don't have enough leverage, right? And the mistake I think people can make is you don't want to staff to the level of business that you're doing. I believe right now you want to staff to growth. To where you want to be. To where you want to be. Yep. Right? Um, and part of it is, you know, right now when you're making great money or more money than you have probably made before or have made in recent years, you've got a little bit you can probably invest into growing your business. Sure. You know, or if you had to give up a little to get further, it's easier pill to swallow, right? Most definitely. And, and, and so yes. like, you know, we you and I were talking recently, we were having a conversation about the difference between, you know, your business being in three different pillars. One is stability, right? Which is, hey, I'm doing enough business that I can make ends meet. You know, you're probably living a pretty def- decent lifestyle, but, you know, balancing time and money. Yes. You, you know, and then the next step is having a business with some significance. And I think that right now, a lot of people have We're moved there. from stability to significance. What's next? Right. And to me, next is legacy. It's building a legacy. And I think that's kind of what I'm talking about in terms of when is a good time for growth. I think I think right now is the time for growth. And I think the mistake that that people in sales can make right now is only staffing to their current level of business. I think you need to staff one more level to growth because let's be honest, as hard as we're all working and as skilled as everybody is, there is a certain part of our business right now that's market driven. Is that fair? Absolutely. Okay. And so if it's market driven, if the market were to shift or pivot, what happens then? Bye-bye. Yeah. Your business starts to slow. Your business will naturally have a slow. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing too is it's important when you're talking about leverage that, you know, we were talking about revenue generating activities earlier during the podcast. And some of those revenue generating activities can only, actually all of them can only be done by the originator or by the real estate agent, right? By the rainmaker. Um, all of the other stuff that doesn't generate revenue could be or should be leveraged to somebody else. Correct. Right. And so I think, again, going back to having a plan or having a system in place, you know, you need to be able to identify, excuse me, you need to be able to identify what you do not like to do and what you're not good at and what you're not good at and find that person. Yep. And find that person. Yeah. And I mean, to that level, I think, you know, one of the other things that you've got to do is, you know, we, you've heard it called before me too, a, a missing persons you know, identifying who that person is, meaning what type of personality do they have? What are their natural characteristics? What are some of the past experiences that they've had? Maybe relative industry experience or something like that. Mm -hmm. You identify what that person looks like, smells like, and feels like before you even start trying to hire them. Because a mistake that we make a lot of times as business owners, and whether you're a one-person LO or you're running a team, you are a business owner, right? In real estate is the same way. Yep. Um, as business owners, one of the mistakes that we make is we... Throw a body at it. Yeah, we don't and have a clear 
understanding of what we really want or what we really need to take our business to the next level. We don't define it. We don't give ourselves clarity to it. And then we go out and start looking for that person. Well, what happens is we start to interview people and you fall in love with somebody and you're like, oh my goodness, this person is absolutely perfect. You know, I, I, you know, and you're, you're excited and you leave charged up and you know, the next thing you know, you're calling, you know, somebody saying, Hey, I'm ready to make an offer to this person. And what you've done is you've taken somebody that you like and you created a job for them. Mm-hmm. What I'm suggesting you do is you create a job and then you find the person to fill that job. Correct. Um, but a lot of times we do it, you know, we do it the wrong way. So, you know, I, I think when I, you know, we talked about a lot of folks have come out of a period of stability. They're in a period of significance right now. And if you want to take your business to the next level, which we're calling legacy, what do you think that looks like? Increasing your, your team and whatever you do, um, you know, giving yourself um, and your family, you know, an opportunity to have back some of that time that, mm-hmm. that during this time that's super busy. I mean, everybody's working a tr- tremendous amount of hours and, and, you know, not enjoying the family time and the time, you know, you know, just essentially the time off. So yeah. by building your team and putting those right people in place, that's going to help alleviate some of that pressure that you, you know, that, that, that is on you essentially. Yeah. You yeah. know, if you're the rainmaker and you're also doing your own paperwork and processing your own stuff, uh, you know, you, you need to lever that out. Yeah. You know, when I think legacy, it makes me think of like, what, what is something that you almost leave behind? And I I don't, you know, I don't know that you see very often in our business or even in real estate that somebody builds a real estate business or a mortgage business, or a lot of times any, any type of business that they grow it to a point where like, once they retire, what happens? Typically goes away. It just goes away. Right. And, and I think that I believe even in our business and the mortgage business that there is a way to build a business that leaves you some income even when you retire if you do it right. And that's kind of what I talk about in terms of, you know, building a legacy. By the way, legacy is also about what what do you do with some of this money that you're making? Right? And I've heard it said before, like money is only good for the good that money can do. So maybe your legacy isn't so much about the business that you build, but what you do with what you earn from the business that you build. Sure. You know, and maybe, and you know, I'm thinking more, I'm thinking further down the road than just providing for my family. You know, what are you, what's something you're really passionate about? Yeah. I mean, it, w- whatever that might be, church, um, you know, baseball, youth sports, um, yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of things out there that you, you know, folks that, you know, can, you know, have a vision board and a goal and, 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 you know, reach for those goals. Yeah. There's a ton of legacy opportunities out there when you, you know, you're talking about, you know, charitable or philanthropic ideas. I think too, something that could be legacy. What about, what about buying like a vacation home for your family? Right. That's something fantastic idea. I love it. That's going to outlive you. Sure. Right. So even after you're gone, your children might get to enjoy that and their children might get to enjoy that. Um, But just stuff like that. And I think that right now we're in a position with as good as everything is, you know, one, you've got to be looking at it two ways. And I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. But the first one is, can I now that I've moved from stability to significance, what does legacy even look like? I think a lot of us don't look to that next level because we fought so hard to get out of stability. Sure. As we move up, we 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 haven't we we've never looked at ourselves. 
and believed in ourselves to be at that level. So it's it's just you've got to you've got to actually picture and have that vision like yeah. a vision board. Really, what, what would I, what would it look like if I did this? Mm-hmm. If I took my business to this next level, what does that mean for yeah. me? What does that do for my family? For those things that I want to you know be involved with charitable wise and. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, or time-wise, what, how, how does that alleviate time for me and my family? Mm-hmm. You know, those valuable things that, you know, that some folks right now don't have um, because of the time that they're dedicating to the business. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think we make that mistake, right? We, we work so hard to get from stability into significance. We never thought big enough to think legacy, Sure. Um, and I think that's where where we, we kind of need to be right now in terms of, you know, now that you've worked so hard to get to where you're at, um, you know, what are the next steps? Are we thinking big enough? Here was the second thing that I wanted to share was, and I hate to be Debbie Downer here, but what would you do right now if rates were 7%? You better have some contacts, some realtors. You know, right. you better you, you better you better be plowing your efforts into your core business. Yeah, I mean that's a you know we talked on our last episode about percentage to purchase, percentage to refi in our business, and you know you better know your numbers, mm-hmm. um, and you better make sure you're doing those activities that have always driven your business. Yep, and you're not just chasing the easy money right now. Essentially, yeah, yeah. you know don't ignore that. Yeah, so I, I think you know that's you know as you're talk as we've been talking about business planning on this podcast and. We've been talking about growth during this time. The business will shift, and I'm not saying that rates are going to be seven percent anytime soon. No time right? soon. I mean, don't don't panic out there. They, but I, they but will I not want, be. But I want you to think of it in terms of what would my business look like if rates were seven percent, and what could you do right now to bulletproof your business in the event that they got to seven percent? Right. I mean, certainly refis almost go completely off the table at 7%. Anybody who's purchased a home or has had the opportunity to refinance at the rates we're at right now, they're going nowhere, (laughs) has probably taken advantage of it. And unless they're going to take cash out down the road, they're probably not going to refi from the low interest rate they have now into a seven. But I think seven also will significantly slow down housing. And so are you building a business I mean, I, I would think if rates get to seven, some people leave stability and, and maybe not, maybe not, they leave significance. They may not even be at stability. They may be below stability. We're not seeing rates at seven. Right. Well, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying like, that's the way you have to think about sure. your business is yeah. what happens. You know, we've been talking about what does the shift or pivot look like and all of the good that's happening right now. But what would it look like if it came I mean, I think the shift now for our, our industry as a whole is, you know, is focused back on where our core business is mm-hmm. and being the, the leader and staying in front of our referral partners yeah. and giving them excellent service, um, you know, and, and, and helping them grow their business as a partner. Um, the refis are gravy, let's face it. I mean, we, we built our business on the purchase business. That's our bread and butter. It's always going to be there. And, and we've got to be front and center and be out in front of everybody else. Because what's going to happen in six months when rates go to seven, if, if Ryan's right? Let's hope not. Well, listen, let's be, be we clear. We want the head start. Let's be clear. I, I never said it was going to be Rates are not going to seven. <laughs> they are not going to seven. But we want to be out in front of everybody, right? Yes. I mean, when the gate opens up, when that, when that time comes, when refis do pull back, everybody's running. Mm-hmm. And, and guess where they're running? They're going to be chasing realtors. 
Yeah. I mean, we've got to be out there now. I mean, essentially do that. I mean, and we are. I mean, we, I know, you know, as a company, we, you know, that's our, still our bread and butter. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Is now, will always be. Yeah. uh, You you know, it's, it's. But we, we know through the LO chat groups that we follow. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everybody's doing that. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of folks that are. folks who have all their chips on, on refi right now. They've completely switched casinos and they're, they're on the other table. (laughs) And that's it. They, they they pulled the plug on this one and they're over here and, and, and they're doing phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Uh, you know, if there's a sudden change, they're going to essentially have to reinvent their business, mm-hmm. right? They're going to go right, jumping right back into a brand new business. Yeah. You know, so it's it, it'll be a challenge for those folks, and we want to be out in front of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say, hey, listen. I mean, uh, you know, you've been in sales for a really long time, both in real estate and in everything cycles and in mortgage, right? And so, I mean, you've probably seen a thing or two. You've certainly been doing this much longer than me and, and have the real estate side of it, too. Um, I would just say, you know, as we've talked through some of this stuff today, you know, I, I would want people to know that, one, we appreciate you jumping on and, and having to listen to us. But if we can help you in some way, we're more than happy to just be some talking heads. Sure. You know, uh, give us a call, shoot us an email. We'd be happy to do a one-on-one. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk business planning over the next couple of months and uh, share some thoughts with you guys. And um, yeah. I mean, whatever business you're in, w- whether you're in a landscape and you own a small lawn company, everybody needs a business plan. I mean, if you if you have a hot dog stand, you need a business plan, right? I mean, you, yeah. agree. I mean, you have to attack it that way. You have to know where your customers are coming from, what your budget is, and you have to have a plan. Yeah. Yep. So uh, another episode of the Contacts to Contrast podcast in the books. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. So again, appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your day to spend with us. Again, if you if you came across something here that you'd like a little bit more clarity on, John and I are always here um, to help you even offline. If you liked what you saw, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe so that you can know when our next episode comes out. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks, guys.